Welcome to episode 37 of the Tech Done Right podcast, TableXI's podcast about building better software, careers, companies, and communities. I'm Noel Rappin. TableXI is now offering training for developer and product teams. Topics include testing, improving legacy JavaScript, career development, and agile team processes. For more information, email us at workshops at tablexi.com. We also have a free email course and tools for improving your company's career growth and goal strategy. You can find that at stickynote.game. We're doing something different today, simultaneously releasing two related episodes on onboarding employees during their first 100 days. This is the second of the two episodes, and in this one, we're going to talk about onboarding from the company's perspective. Joining me are Shay Howe, the VP of Design of Active Campaign and the co-founder of Lead Honestly, and also John Gore, the founder of Culturescape. We're going to talk about what a new company can do to set up a new employee to be successful and how to best structure that support. Also, check out episode 36 for the other side where we discuss onboarding issues from the employee's point of view. So today on the podcast, I have John Gore. John, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm a founder of Culturescape, which makes an application called Everyone on Board, which connects employees together for um, coffee chats to help break down uh, barriers within your company and to develop your own internal network at a company. Uh, and previously came from a uh, consulting web and mobile consulting world, specifically TableXI, for almost a decade. Hey, I've heard of them. And I also have Shay Howe. Shay, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Shay, I work uh, two jobs, really. One at Active Campaign, where I lead the design team. Uh, Active Campaign is a SaaS business focused on helping SMBs connect with their customers. Uh, we've grown from 20 to 250 people in the last two years. And then also by night is Lead Honestly. And um, Lead Honestly is an organization that helps you have more engaging and meaningful conversations with your team. Uh, it's got a handful of features, but the core focus of that is having one-on-one -on -one meetings with suggested questions. Uh, an organization I built with a few others just around how I would love to structure and work with my teams. Great. And what we're here to talk about today is onboarding uh, new employees, specifically what companies can do in the first 100 days with uh, a new employee to make sure that they get integrated into the team. And I guess we're mostly, but what we're talking about, I was going to say mostly developers, but not really, uh, mostly people integrating into technology teams, whatever their expertise is. What do you guys think is the most important thing for a company to do with a new employee to make sure that new employee integrates into the team well? Sure. I mean, I think definitely setting expectations is key. Both expectations in terms of um, what your onboarding process will be like so that you have a structure to it. Uh, but more importantly, what, what does success look like at the end of that 100 days? How will you know that you've been successfully onboarded? If I could add to that, it's, I'd say, the speed to that, too. So getting them to to add a contribution or do something valuable for the organization as soon as possible within those first 100 days. So they see what that looks like and how it's modeled and, and ways to repeat it. What are some specific things that a company can do, like, right off the bat? Like, where do you think the company should start people? Just understanding the dedication of resources is part of it, um, and that's that's not specific. But what is specific is for a lot of organizations, is there a key area that maybe is not where that person is hired into, but perhaps where they should be shadowing? So a common one is, you know, should I bring this person in to do two weeks with our customer support team uh, if we're B2C so that they can really understand what our customers are like or even B2B? Um, are we a big data firm and we really want to bring them into the data analytics side to make sure they understand the work that we do, even if we're hiring them in sales or some other entirely different department, um, so that they get a feel for what is really the core DNA of this organization and where the magic really happens? 
So I guess you're, it's important for a new employee to understand the business as much as it is to understand their role within it. Absolutely. Give them that context as you, as you onboard to now draw the connections between the work I'm doing as an engineer or the work I'm doing in HR to the final end product and really understand the goals of the people who are using the product or the service. Yeah. And I guess what makes money for the company. Exactly. How do you balance the technical needs of somebody coming into an organization with their sort of cultural needs of building into their team, uh, you know, building knowledge with their own team with the learning needs of learning the whole context? Like, do you have any advice about how to sort of structure a balance between those things? Or is one of them easy to leave off until a couple weeks in? Elaborate for us, Noel. <laughs> so, Okay. A new, a new company, a new employee comes in and they have a lot to learn. They need to learn a, a technical project, presumably. They need to learn a culture, a company culture. They need to learn a, a business practices. How do you balance that? How do you, how do you make sure that all of that comes through? For myself, I think it honestly even starts before their first day. I think a lot of that can get started in the actual hiring and interview process, um, specifically around what is, what is our culture, what are our core values, loosely, how do we operate, how do we like to think, and does that vibe well with how that individual thinks or you know, how they like to, to perform and work? At the same time, the folks in that interview process should be the same people who that individual is going to work with day in and day out, right? So you begin to start to set them up for success even before that first day coming in. Walking in the door, uh, I think that, that that can shift a little bit, right? Um, that's when you have to begin to think more about who on the team should they be meeting or starting to establish those relationships with and then getting into sort of you're mentioning that, that, you know, should it be customer support that they're shadowing or sitting with to learn more about the actual technical aspects or uh, the business side of what we're doing versus their individual project and role within that team? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question that even is more broad than just the onboarding process. You know, does your organization really make the connection between our DNA, our culture, who we are, the reasons we engage this way, and the way we do our work? Um, I think ideally, yes, um, for all employees, it should be baked into the everyday process where you don't have this dichotomy of, I need to teach you first one thing about our culture, and then I need to teach you this other thing about how we do our work. In the day-to-day process for most organizations, you would hope that that would be very intertwined. So that would come through the onboarding process. As you do the technical work, you start to see the values that the organization has just in the way you do that training, you do that onboarding, you do the pairing, and you work together. So I think there's a step that has to happen even before you have a new recruit in the door of saying, do we have that alignment in our organization? And for people who've been here for two years, do they even truly draw that connection? Yeah, because you don't really want it to be like, yes, you're onboarding until day 100 and then, oh, you're done. You, you don't need to learn anymore. You want a, a consistency over time, I guess. Exactly. So I guess what we're, what we're saying is that the onboarding process starts before the new employee walks in the door and extends well beyond the employee and is really just a subset of having your company culture be set up so that people can succeed in general. And having new people come in and succeed is a piece of that? Sure, which is not to say the requirements are the same for those two groups of people, you know, the legacy employee or the new employee. But it shouldn't be an entirely different process. You shouldn't spend 100 days in one world and then be dumped into a world that's entirely different. Um, I think that creates a lot of um, dissonance for the new employee. 
And they say, you know, was I sold a false bill of goods here? You know, in this first hundred days, I was told that this is the way we operate, that this is what our core values are, and that this is the way I'll be supported. And then outside of those hundred days, I'm now floundering in the deep end. You know, that's not a good experience for anybody and leads to rapid attrition. It's a better experience than floundering on the deep end on day one, I guess. But a hundred days better. That's (laughs) true. (laughs) I mean, I guess... Does the company size have anything to do with this? Because I, f- I think about the a couple of the larger companies that I've either worked at or observed, and, and those companies can have the luxury of having more elaborate training, more elaborate onboarding. Does that make a difference? I think it's versed. Um, in a sense, like it, you may have multiple steps or multiple onboardings even. Um, you know, I can say at Active Campaign, I don't know that we're, we're massive by any degree, but at 250 people, there is a general like day one onboarding, right? That's going to go over all the benefits, all the HR work. It's a facilities tour. It's, you know, here's the gym, here's the rooftop, here's, you know, miscellaneous things. Um, the second half of that day is, you know, training by our education team of here's the product. Like let's everyone create a trial, have a walkthrough of it. Um but that's day one, right? That's, you know, day two is, you know, as an engineer coming in and then it's, okay, what's my team? You know, how do I get the environments actually running locally? You know, what type of tools or resources do I need? It's, I would say, phase two of that onboarding, if that makes sense. So as you look at the size, I think there could be different investments in onboarding from different teams that perform that onboarding, all of which equally is important. I guess there's kind of an inflection point where at some point you are large enough that you're continuously hiring so that there is a, a, an ability to have a routine process where, you know, every Monday or every other Monday, you're going to have this session running for whoever happens to start. The larger companies that I've been at have been able to do that. And the smaller companies have not because they're, they don't onboard frequently enough for it to become uh, somebody's primary responsibility. Yeah. I mean, much like anything else you would do uh, in terms of you were building a product, you iterate on it, right? And I think the same exists for your actual onboarding. So, for example, I had two new employees start last week. Uh, and at the end of last week, the question I asked was like, you know, how is your onboarding and what needs to change? Like, what in the documents is incorrect or uh, what have you found in the last week that you think should be added to some of those, you know, welcome documents and things like that? Like, let's make sure we're doubling back to look at those to ensure that the next person coming in the door, even if it's this week or a month from now, that that is the most up-to-date or relevant information for them. Yeah, that's a, a really good process. To, those people who are just going through the onboarding, they have the most context for it and the most ability to say, hey, this isn't up-to-date. Uh, you should change this. Uh, yeah, I didn't get what I needed on on this day. Uh, that kind of thing. Or even down into like the actual environments or, you know, how you actually want to set up the application and get it running locally. It's like this, this is just flat out incorrect. There's different dependencies. Now you've switched tooling here. You know, this is just documentation is now wrong. Let's make sure we update it. I think it's really common to have an, uh, to try and have a new employee's first pull request on a new project be uh, all the changes to the setup instructions that have happened since the last person onboarded. Yeah. And that's always interesting. In my experience, when that happens, it makes that new employee feel like a superstar to the rest of the team. Oh, you have finally documented this thing that we know has been wrong and everybody's just sort of kicked the can down the road and you finally fix that. That's great. That's such a tangible, immediately deliver, you know, immediate deliverable that you can take care of in the first week or two um, that delivers real value to the rest of the team and future value. Yeah, and I think setting up a new employee to have that kind of success early on is, is a really uh, a good thing to shoot for in, in that onboarding process. Absolutely. 
what responsibility do you think the company has for integrating the employee with the rest of the team? Like what kinds of things uh, do you recommend that a company do to make sure that a, you know, a person gets to know, gets to work with the people that they need to work with? I mean, it's a simple thing that's often overlooked, um, the most basic thing. But did you provide a resource um, for this person to go to a facilitator for the onboarding process? Somebody they can go to ask the questions that come up because they don't know who the appropriate person to ask is. So having a facilitator to say, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but let's go talk to this team. They should know. Um, It's just key to have that trusted source for the first 100 days that person can go to. Uh, Yeah, having, I call it a buddy. So like in my, like I'll I'll give a document to this, you know, the individual on their first day of here are the few things that you should do in your first week. Um, Here are the tools. Here's where you'll find everything. Here's a few people you should, you know, look to connect with. But also here's the one person that you have at your beck and call to work with you. And they're aware of this, that they're here to work and help you. And so that you can have questions uh, answered and, and really walk through things. Cause the thing I found it's, it's not enough to simply tell someone like, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Ask whatever you want. You know, being an introvert myself, like that's, I'm still going to be a bit more reserved, right? I'm going to think a lot about that. And the time I'm going to waste to actually work up the courage to actually ask that question would just be simplified and answered best by just saying, all right, I have, you know, I can go to John and continually talk to him about literally anything and everything I may have a concern with. And I can get that stuff resolved much quicker. Yeah. What, we, what I usually tell people, the, the line that I usually use is, it is literally my job to answer your questions. You are not interrupting me <laughs> to ask yeah. me a question. I'm doing my job when I answer your question. Make it a goal to ask me five questions a day. Yeah, that's a good one too. I think also incumbent on the company is um, providing feedback. It feels like such a wilderness when you're dropped into a new company and you're constantly questioning, you know, am I, am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? Am I, you know, taking too much time to do this? So to be able to provide that cycle of feedback and bake it into the process um, is key. And I, I think organizations, we don't really think about that step of the process and don't dedicate the resources because it takes time and effort to come up with that thoughtful feedback, especially for a new hire to actually observe what they're doing and talk to other people they're working with and come up with very constructive feedback. Yeah. And I think one thing that helps in that is to try to understand what problem you're trying to solve by giving the feedback. There's a tendency sometimes to just talk about giving feedback as though it's an end in it of itself, but it has to be a goal, you know, a, a means towards a goal of making sure the employee fits in with the team or making sure they have the information that they need or making sure that they are, you know, coming off the way that they expect to be coming off. Yeah. And in the first hundred days, it's, you know, you're not even going for large behavior changes, hopefully, you know, hopefully you spotted (laughs) any of that in the interview process, but it's, here's where you're at in the process. You know, you're doing good. Um, You've learned these things already. Here's the context. I think especially with a junior developer, you're doing well, you're doing what we expect. I know you have a lot of questions and you feel like you're floundering, but you are doing exactly what we expect you to do right now. And you've contributed. I think that can be really important. I would even appreciate that. One thing I like to make a point of doing is, is giving some public praise for things like first pull request into a project, that kind of thing. Also, just to give other people the signal that the employees, the new employees doing a good job and, and thriving. Yeah, absolutely. At what point do you begin to start sharing expectations setting uh, with the new employee in terms of like, you know, you, you, you settled in for a little bit and now let's, let's talk about what the next six months or the next year are going to look like. Yeah, I think you've got sort of that initial onboarding process. 
I think 100 days is a good timeline for that where you've got key milestones. Um, so you should do your first pull request at this date. You should be integrated into a project team by this date. Um, and you sort of set those up. You make sure that you're building on each step to get to the next milestone. And then after that about three-month period, um, hopefully that individual, if your onboarding process has been good, sort of understands their role, understands the trajectories they could take from this position. I could go deeper on this. I could go lighter on this. I could work with this sort of a team. I could work on this sort of a project. And then sitting down at that three-month period and saying, okay, here's everything we've covered. Do you have any remaining questions? What does success feel like for you for the next six months? What directions have you seen in this organization um, that you want to grow into? What challenges have you been presented in the first 100 days where you say, well, I want to focus more on on that challenge. I want to focus more on my front-end skills or my React skills. And then in that three-month period, setting up, okay, great, what milestones can we set then six months out um, that define success? So I think that three-month period is feels about right to me in my experience. I'm with you. I, I I loosely break down the first 90 days, and I say that, that first 30 days, and these they're gray, right? They're going to blend together. There's not like a definitive at day 30 we switch mindsets and go towards this. But loosely, the first 30 days are going to be just learning, learning the people, the processes, you know, understanding where everything's at and just how things loosely work. I think the next 30 days is getting your head wrapped around, okay, like what is something I can get done? And what is like that first big accomplishment I can have here? Uh, and I think big is relative. Uh, big being loosely something that you can get done before that 100-day mark. So identifying what is, you know, what is a signature win you can provide for the team to get done and then begin working on that. Uh, and that last 30 days being executing on that, wrapping up that work and, and getting it done. And I think Throughout that process, you're building a good cadence, a strong working relationship with both your manager, the rest of the team. And throughout that entire experience, you're also starting to talk a little bit further around what's upcoming, right? Like what is the rest of, you know, the next quarter, the next year look like? But ensuring that also in that first 30 days, you're delivering some value or checking some box to get something done for the org uh, and winning some credibility along that way. I try and make sure that that happens for everyone on the team. One thing that I also think is a really good idea to do with an employee that's being onboarded is to solicit feedback from them. You know, they have briefly, at least, an outsider's mind as they look at the way you do things. Um, and I think it can be really valuable to, to ask, like, you know, what do you see being done here that, that seems, you know, not great? What can we improve on? Not just on the onboarding process, but as they get their first look at, at how teams work and how projects work. I was going to say, especially experienced employees, employees, but not really. People have that ability to ask questions and to see things for the first time when they're new, uh, and that can be really valuable to take advantage of. Yeah, I would even say, like, generally speaking, I work in service-oriented businesses, like like product services, so we're providing a service or solution or a tool. So not only like how our teams working, how does the organization work, but like take a look at our actual product. Give us the feedback on that with fresh eyes. Like what's good, what's bad about that too? Total agreement on that. The broad areas that I think about onboarding, and this aligns somewhat to the 30-day chunks, is, is the what is the work, how do we do the work, and who does the work. And I think when we think about onboarding, we cover the first two pretty well typically. That's the one that immediately springs to mind. So what is the work we're doing? What's our product? What are we selling? What is our service? How we do it? What are the frameworks, the stacks, the tooling, um, the meeting cadence, um, the approval process? Uh, what is that process for the work we do, how we do it? Uh, but the who we do it sometimes get short shrift. 
So that idea of building those workplaces within or the networks within your workplace to say, you know, okay, you've, you've paired with this person, but do you understand the team as a whole? Do you know about um, the people you're working with? Anything more deep than just their technical skill set? So seeing how you can build those networks um, that are more interpersonal within the organization with the new employee, I think is key. Yeah, at TableXI, we strongly encourage people to invite groups of other employees for lunch. We explicitly schedule meetings with like management to learn about the history of the company and how things do that, why things are done the way they're done <laughs> to the extent that it's explicable, I guess. Do you have any other suggestions for how to what a company can do to make sure a person gets that kind of implicit knowledge? Give a new employee a $300 prepaid credit card, uh, gift card, and say, at the end of 90 days, uh, spend this all taking your coworkers out to lunch or coffee. Um, just give them the chance to establish these connections. And then that also incentivizes other employees once this program is in place to go, ah, new guy's got uh, free coffee. We should, we should go out to lunch with uh, him or her. Uh, and they start to become a real target. How much of that do you help facilitate with an employee? You know, I, I think in a scenario of there are, you know, different people you may want that employee to connect within the organization. So, you know, do you, do you go as far to recommend people for them to reach out to? Do you provide some level of an employee directory? Like, how do you really help them or, or do you at all help them facilitate like who to connect with? Or do you kind of let people go to them or anywhere, somewhere in between? Yeah, I, I think there's a number of ways to do it. Having the buddy um, as the facilitator, you know, to recommend people is great, especially early on in the first couple of weeks is, hey, you know, you might want to talk to this person. They do a similar role to you. So why don't you take them out for coffee? I think if there are connections that absolutely have to be made, it makes sense to have that as part of the structured onboarding process. Uh, and out of that may flow, hey, we just had this training session or we just had this structured conversation. Do you want to grab coffee once I've had a chance to think about this some more next week? Um, so I, I think you can do it a number of ways. But I like the idea of just the serendipity of, you know, I, I met this person around the water cooler and uh, they seemed interesting and I just love to get to know them better. Um, so I want the freedom and flexibility to invite them to lunch tomorrow. Yeah, first step, install a water cooler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I should have said Slack. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, I think we do. The current process on paper at TableXI is kind of a mix. We, we explicitly schedule some meetings with management people who, who really like to talk about uh, the history and the culture of the company. And we encourage the employee to uh, set up, you know, lunch meetings or what have you. I mean, with everybody else over time in groups, um, but we don't really explicitly follow up on that. Certain people are really, certain people are really strict about doing it. Certain people aren't, it kind of depends on their own personality, but, but that's to some extent, that's a small company thing. Like it is feasible at a 35 person company for you to actually have lunch in a small group with everybody in the company in a reasonable amount of time, you know, in an onboarding amount of time. Yeah, well, I, something else I like I've been doing is um, specifically on like the product and design side, having those individuals also go through the sales and success onboarding. You know, they they usually have abbreviated versions or certain sessions that those people can join and uh, twofold, right? Like they're learning more about our business and what we're doing, but also forging relationships with people in different departments, right? So more cross functionally. So it is it's it's a little bit forced on that end, but opening up those conversations and relationships too, which is nice. How important is this? Is it to have a sense of like a cohort? If you're bringing in a bunch of people at the same time, uh, if you're a large enough company where that's something you're doing consistently, is it 
worth it to sort of schedule them together? Do you want to break them up? Does it make any difference at all? I think it goes both ways, right? Like one is, you know, how does it actually help those joining the organization? And then two, you know, look at the other side of it. Is it easier for the organization to have these folks start on the same day? I think the answer to both is yes. Um, and, you know, I we've certainly seen, because we do have different cohorts that start, we'll try and get people to start together, is that they do form, you know, stronger relationships. Um, they naturally have a bond, someone they can connect with pretty quickly over that first day. You know, and I've even noticed it, like, they'll begin to slack one another, you know, by the end of that day. Like, they're, they've already started that communication plan. They're beginning to feel a bit more at home knowing someone there. So, I, you know, I, I certainly think it helps, um, but by no means actually required either. Yeah, I think that bonding process of having your cohorts, it's a natural affinity that you have. Um, and it is the single most important affinity you have for, uh, you know, the early part of your onboarding process. That's sort of your identity. As I just started a new job, it's what you're thinking about all the time. So to have a group that's sharing that is great, but it's very important that it not be siloed or isolating. So to have lots of connections between that cohort and that group and the rest of the organization so they can build those um, relationships outside of that group. It's super important for onboarding and understanding the big picture. It's important for future career growth and just important for the health of the organization and transmitting knowledge. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of cases where companies use that period both for a lot of, at least at a technical level, both for a lot of internal training and then also like use that time to uh, have the the new employee become knowledgeable enough about the various areas of the company to to really make a stronger claim about where they want to work, which I guess is, again, something that a larger company can kind of do that a smaller company really can't. What are some like anti-pattern onboarding things that, that you see a lot of companies do that you think are, are not necessarily a good idea like what what are what are some common mistakes well throw them in the deep end <laughs> seems to be the most common uh not understanding the the resources and investment and the unique needs that a new employee has we think of it in terms of you know starting a new project right like oh they're introduced to a new code base if it's technical or they're introduced to a new um client if it's uh consulting work and we don't put ourselves in the mindset of, yeah, that's the tip of the iceberg. This is a whole new organization. What unique needs do they have? So we just throw them in and treat them like a new developer moving to a new project and call it a day. Yeah, it's it's a very good question, Noel. I think part of it is a, a personal aspect of not even just necessarily connecting with them and, and seeing how they're feeling and how things are going, if they need anything. You know, and I think like that that might come from more like a leadership side, but you know, you could you could cue someone up with a checklist of things to do, set them at a desk, and and say, okay, well, we'll talk next week, and that very quickly could make them feel isolated and lonely. So it's it's just a step out of your way to check in on them. Hey, how's it going? Right? Like, you want to grab a cup of coffee? Do you you have any questions? Anything I can help you with? Uh, and it might be nothing, but it's essentially making sure that they know that you are available, that that is known, and um, you generally have a care for them and getting them up to speed, uh, and that that is a priority for you and for the organization. Yeah, I think that one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm taking away from this is that assume that people are just naturally going to thrive because they were talented enough to make it through your hiring process is probably not the best place to start. At what point do you start noticing or taking seriously the possibility that this might not be a good fit for the incoming employee? Like, What are some of the things that you look for there? Yeah, I think this goes back to really understanding expectations and 
clearly conveying and providing feedback if expectations aren't met to the employee. And implicit in this is making sure your expectations are realistic, which I think is another anti-pattern that we often have with um, new recruits is having unrealistic expectations for that first 90 days. But if there's a pattern of, you know, we set these milestones out, we're having trouble meeting them, there's definite a pattern of missing these. I think identifying that sooner, and that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, termination, um, but it could mean, all right, well, what's going to be a better fit? How can we modify this? Um, are these the right expectations? You know, did we position you correctly for success in this onboarding process? But you should not shy away from those warning signs as they come up throughout the onboarding process and just say, well, I'm sure it'll work itself out in 90 days because it absolutely won't. To me, one a, a very strong warning sign is the combination of failure to contribute and failure to ask questions. Like just being frustrated in a corner. Is that recoverable? How do you recover from that if, if that's where somebody started off? Yeah, I think it's on an individual individual basis. Um, I would say, yes, I've seen it be recoverable plenty in the past um, with coaching, with talking about what is the pattern that we're seeing? Why is this a negative? What can we provide? Is it more coaching? Is it making sure you know a dedicated resource to go to to ask questions? Is it some real side-by-side pairing for a period of time so that you gain that level of comfort? I think you've made this already costly investment in hiring a new employee at the first sign of trouble, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but having those real steps of saying, we will invest extra time in this pairing process, in uh, answering questions, in figuring out exactly what the root cause of this is, I think is essential. And I think, I think John's right on that. It's like, when you look at it, you don't look at that person. You look at like yourselves in the process and you wonder why that may have not worked uh, and what essentially you can change within your own development, your own process to then further help that person and those coming in later. I think I think it's kind of core to look at yourself first, right? So be open to the possibility that the person is is floundering because of something that's wrong in your culture, uh, or in yeah. your your uh, integration of that person with the culture rather than with the person themselves. Yeah, and maybe you need to try again. Like maybe you need to actually reapproach that and re- kick off you know a different series or set of onboarding tasks or a different project or something like that to get them more ingrained and try some a different approach to that. Yeah, absolutely. And as we talk more and more about diversity and we all strive to have a more diverse workforce, that means there may be a diversity of onboarding processes of figuring out what is the appropriate approach for an individual, you know, with this background versus an individual with that background. We talk about getting a lot more um, dev boot camp style employees onboarded. You know, how is that different from, you know, that you're used to hiring mid-level referrals from your network of existing employees? That's going to be a very different onboarding process. So as you get that more diverse candidate pool, be ready to see that reflected in your onboarding process. That, that's kind of interesting to talk about as onboarding as a, like a critical piece in a company's diversity and inclusion initiative as you hopefully like bring in people who are culture ads to the company. You know, what can you do in the onboarding process to, to make that smoother, better, make sure that the person can bring the change to the company uh, that you're hoping for and, and not be frustrated? And I don't know, like how do those interact? Yeah, I think of it in terms of, you know, I'm an introvert. Um, there's a lot of extroverts here. That's an easy um, uh, 
a metric for me to think about diversity in the onboarding process. So I am more comfortable in sit down one-on-one conversations. So I think about, well, you know, if we're hiring an extrovert, they might enjoy more of a a group get to know you session. Whereas I prefer the one-on-one, let me take you to coffee or lunch or something like that. Um, in the onboarding process, is it you give them documentation to go through first so that they get a level of comfort with it? And then you sit down and do some pairing. Is it that you start off, um, as a group first and talk about this and have that one-on-one conversation initially? Um, so I think it's collecting feedback and just putting yourself in the position of, you know, if I had this, um, personality trait? Would I feel more comfortable in situation A or B? And then providing throughout the process a menu of options and allowing that individual to select into what they feel most comfortable with. Because I mean, we all know the type of person who would rather do the research on their own first, feel like they understand it, and then ask questions versus the person who feels a lot more comfortable right from the get-go having a conversation about this. Um, and that's just a very small, finite example. But it's easy as an organization, if we're deliberate, to provide those sorts of options and collect feedback throughout the process. Yeah, to to expand on that, like one of the very first like one-on-ones I'll have with the new employee, I'll ask them a lot of questions around that, right? So, you know, things like, how do you like to communicate? Like like both in source of of medium, like do you like it in person? Do you like it via Slack? Do you like an email? To any extent, how do you like that communication? Would you rather have hard facts? Would you rather hear a story? Like what's the best way to actually like communicate with you? And along those same lines, like a series of those questions, right? Like how do you like to receive recognition? Is that publicly? Is that privately? Like what triggers do you have? What is something that like really upsets you that we, you know, we shouldn't step on? Uh, what are like things that delight you? What are your different types of drivers if you know them? And making sure like having an understanding of those before really trying to inundate an employee or throw things at them that may be counterintuitive or counterproductive to what some of those are. And making sure that you work closely with them and what that could be and realizing it's not going to be the same for every single person. Right. And you need to be, I think, aware of a case where a person is either not going to completely be able to articulate their style or maybe uh, uncomfortable. You have to build up a certain level of trust, too, to enable people to feel, to feel comfortable even having some of those conversations, especially if the person might have reason to not be Yeah comfortable with their place in the organization for one reason or another. Yep, absolutely. You know, that to me is also ever-changing, right? Like that is never a fixed measure of like you get it and it's there. It's, you know, that, that level of trust is either increasing or decreasing. I don't think it's it's flat. It's, it's uh, you know, it's built by using it, so to speak, right? So trust begets trust. Yeah, you can, yeah. You're always either building trust or spending trust, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I got a question for you, Noel, and I think, John, you could answer this too, but... You know, Entertainment has like a really unique culture to it. And, you know, I think one that is uh, very intentional and you've put a lot of thought towards that. How do you communicate that to these new employees? Is there, you know, is it just something you have to experience or is there, is there documentation around it? Do you have a culture deck a la carte, like Netflix kind of has? Like, are there any, any like tools or methods or, you know, how do you go about articulating that? We don't explicitly have a culture deck at the moment, although we like are sort of continually inching closer and closer to it, like we have pieces of it, we have like values that we explicitly articulate, and 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 some of this, a lot of this happens in the hiring process as well. We really try to have our hiring process be very very reflective of uh, of the culture, and and so you get to meet a lot of people, and uh, you know we we treat 
you as a very important person. And hopefully some of that value comes across. A lot of it, I think, comes across through uh, some fairly earnest like descriptions of what we think the culture is. And a lot of it comes through with the meeting process with certain like people who have been here for a long time that we try to get you to get a chance to talk to you know, in your first couple of weeks. And I think some of it you just see because of the way like people act. Yeah. I think that Noel's got it pretty well encapsulated during the um, interview process. We try and expose, and I'm a former TXI alum. I assume we're still doing this um, expose our you know five core values that we have and say, even during the interview process, these are the sorts of things we're looking for. These are the reasons we're asking this sort of question. Um, and then once they're onboarded, you know, there are those people in the organization who are shining beacons of who we are, um, who just exude, you know, the table XI way, who you have one conversation with them and go, oh, yeah, that's what it really means to internalize the client. Like, I get that. Or, you know, this other core value. And then just seeing it acted out day to day, you know culture should be a part of what you do day to day and it should be very visible. So being involved in Slack, being involved in meetings and seeing the way people interact with each other, the type of vocabulary that you use to call out, you know, oh, you know, I don't think you really owned this task. Well, that's a core value. Or you really did a great job of owning this work the other day. I'm seeing that called out in Slack. You know, if you're not using the culture, then it's not really your culture and there's nothing to transmit there. Um, And if it is your culture, you should be, it should be apparent to all employees and that should just come up and start to be reinforced through everyday interactions and the vocabulary that you use as a company. Yeah. Cause it doesn't matter if it's on the culture deck, if people don't display it in their, you know, day-to-day interactions. And I think that one of the things we do is we're like generally pretty explicit and intentional about how we interact with each other and how we think about the culture and how we think about improving the culture. And, and with, and especially I think for an onboarding person with the idea and the understanding that a new employee is going to change the culture and that's okay. That's what we've hired the new employee to do. Like hiring a new employee, especially at our, at our size, hiring a new employee who's not going to have any effect on the culture just seems like a waste. It's good. John, is there any, I mean, is there anything core to, everyone on board that we haven't covered or like, you you know, you've found that this is really an aspect of onboarding that that, that shouldn't be missed, that this is one of those more critical parts. I don't know. Have we missed anything to that regard? Yeah. I mean, we've talked about the built need to build personal connections that go deeper than just, Hey, we're pairing for one hour on this block of code here. Um, I, I think creating the environment, where you can establish connections um, with somebody other than who's sitting in your row or at the desk next to you um, is key. And we talked a little bit about, you know, are there ways to facilitate that, whether it's, you know, something structured like everyone on board or at a smaller organization, something less structured, like just providing gift cards or lunch roulette is a common one, or, you know, having the buddy facilitate connections. Um, I think all those are valuable, but it's, it's just often overlooked the, need to belong. I mean, it's such a disorienting thing to be dropped into a new workplace with a whole new set of expectations, a whole new set of requirements, a massive learning curve to be dropped into that. Um, and to have supportive people around you that you feel 
you know, a deeper connection to than just we worked on that code together is, is key. And, you know, I'm not advocating that you should be best friends and the best, uh, the best man or the, the bridesmaid and in, in your coworkers weddings, um, you know, necessarily, but to at least know a little bit about that person and have a more, more deep connection where you care about them as an individual and they care about you as an individual, um, more than just, you know, the member on a project team, I, I think is important. Um, and that goes back to, you know, the willingness of an organization to do that. Like, do you see your employees as whole people or do you see employees as the person who writes these hundred lines of code? Yeah. I, I can say like, you know, some things I, you know, I'm not perfect at this by any means. Um, to get that that whole person involved, to to really show them that we are happy they are here, that they are valued, that we are committed to, you know, the the years of work ahead. You know, a lot of that I try and do even before they walk in the office on that first day. So, uh, you know, it's 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 as simple as like after they actually accept the offer, uh, you know, shooting them a personal email that's coming, you know, from someone outside HR that says, Hey, like, really excited to have you join the team. Like looking forward to working with you. If you have any questions or you need anything help like leading up to getting started or even once you get in the door, like, let me know. Uh, you know, I'm here to help. Uh, I want to make myself available to do so. You know, like I've had, you know, scenarios where that happens to me and, you know, employees at an organization will email me and reach out before I get started. Like that goes a long way to get me excited about joining that organization and, you know, finding a common ground when I get there. And even more like tactical things like sending those those new hire forms to them ahead of time so that they have some time to spend with them versus showing up on day one and being like, well, hold on, I got to figure out what the healthcare benefits are going to be or what this could be. What tax exempt bag or, or do I have to get into as I fill out this form? So I think there's like there's even like that level of it that you can get them prepared with before they walk in the day, uh, day one. And to some degree, even, you know, send them a box of swag, right? Like, Give them a T-shirt, get them some stickers, like get them excited about actually joining the organization, especially if you're in a competitive market where, you know, there is a chance that, you know, despite even agreeing to come work with you, that, that you could potentially lose that person to a competitor where they're also interviewing or, you know, something along, along those lines, like get the, get their child wearing one of your T-shirts uh, around the house before they start day one, right? Like, you know, the, the, they'll begin to build their own affinity towards your organization even before they walk in the door, which can go a long way to, to getting them excited and motivated in those first 90 days too. Yeah, sure. And in those first 90 days, those are your best evangelists for reaching out to other possible talent. Um, those people who are new, they're energized, they're um, populating their social network with information about their new job. People see their transition on LinkedIn. Those, you know, that's just a real opportunity to engage other people in that individual's network and have them evangelize for you. So really building that excitement in the first 90 days is if you're not doing that, it's a huge missed opportunity if you're in a tight talent market. That's a great point. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a good place for us to end on. Um, Where can people find you online if they want to talk to you about these things in more detail? Uh, Well, I'd recommend everyoneonboard.io. We've got links to various social networks there and that's my main project right now. And Shay? Yeah, uh, you can find me over at leadhonestly.com as well as Shay Howe on Twitter. Great. Thank you guys for being here, and we'll be back with another show in a couple of weeks. Before we go, I'd like to remind you to also check out the previous episode, episode 36, where we discuss onboarding from the employee's perspective. Tech Done Right is a production of TableXI and is hosted by me, Noel Rappin. I'm at Noel Rapp on Twitter, and TableXI is at TableXI. The podcast is edited by Mandy Moore. You can reach her on Twitter at the Ruby Rap. 
Tech Done Right can be found at techdoneright.io or downloaded wherever you get your podcasts, which now includes Spotify. You can send us feedback or ideas on Twitter at tech underscore done underscore right. TableXI is a UX design and software development company in Chicago with a 15-year history of building websites, mobile applications, and custom digital experiences for everyone from startups to storied brands. Find us at TableXI.com where you can learn more about working with us or working for us. We're particularly looking for project managers at the moment, and you can find that at our careers page. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode of Tech Done Right.